Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Doyle Carter. His message is entitled, Why We Need to Fellowship. Doyle. And good, and happy Sabbath. Now, Ron, when I was coming up, saw me carrying both of these. And here's my response. Battery, no battery. This runs out, I've got a backup. <laughs> so I'll use this, this for this. And while practicing yesterday, while I'm setting up here, I noticed something that no one else has noticed. See, I had the day off automatically because it was just, you know, you one of those use it and lose it days. You know, if you don't take your those, these sick days, you are these personal time days, you actually lose them. So I took it yesterday just for the fun of it because I didn't want to do it on my birthday. Then I had to come back on Friday. So I didn't, I didn't like that. And I'm not telling my age. But I was up here practicing. And I, for the first time, I didn't even use my cell phone. I didn't even have my cell phone with me. Well, I had it with me, but it was getting low, and I didn't want to charge it, so I just shut it off. So I used the clock up here. Okay, I'd practice an hour. No big deal. Everything's great. It said 3 o'clock when I was done. Okay, the church is ready. I'm going to... I go turn my phone on. It's 2 o'clock. So now the clock is set right. Whoa, Brian. We're fine now? I wasn't, wasn't insulting the clock up here. I was just saying I changed it over. That's all I did. I just, I just changed it on over to the right time. Now, as I get older, I can't see that clock up there as well as I'd like to see it. So the clock up here is perfect. Well, today, I thought it would go, it'd be a good time to cover the topic of why we need to fellowship I stumbled a second because my notes don't say two. As I say, I, they didn't put that in there. That was an afterthought. It sounded better. But anyway, that's not relative. The point is, I thought it would be a good time to cover, uh, to cover this. I was inspired by the feast because in Branson, the fellowship was awesome. I mean, just as, an, just as a greeter, just being a greeter out there, just watching because, you know, as you know, in Branson, we get to sit in the back with the candy bowls and eat all we want, Larry and all of us. But just watching after service and such, you could see the camaraderie and the fellowship that was going on. And I'm sure that was true in San Antonio. I'm sure that was true in Canada. And it just inspired me to thought, you know, what are the benefits of uh, fellowship? Not that you probably didn't know it anyway, but just to review it. Because we're entering a time now when we won't have a holy day for six months. That's why the thought crossed my mind. Because now at this point, we're going from the Feast of Tabernacles all the way to, I think it's... March or something like that for pa uh, the Passover and then Days on Bread. So it's like this long, extensive time which we have. And it was just good to see the fellowship and everybody was having fun there too. That was actually awesome. And it was good to see that. I'm going to start where Barnabas ended his sermon. I like the way he did it. I'm going to start with the main scripture I had up here, which is Hebrews 10.25. Give me just a moment here. And that's why we do that. Okay, in Hebrews 10, 25, 
it says that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as it is the manner of some, but exalt one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Paul in this, when he's talking to the, uh, when he's talking to the Hebrews in this, or his audience that was reading this, that he said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And as we know, in our Christian lives, fellowship is one of the, one of the, of many of the primary keys to our, uh, yeah, I'm working with this, I did something with my pad for a minute, but, so if I'm preoccupied, that's what it is, I'm trying to get it straightened. Told you, that's why I carried the other one. But, but as I noted here, fellowship is one of the key components to our Christian life, that we get together and we do various things like edify, help each other, just and all the other stuff I'll go into in just a moment. And we see this as one example. We see this in Acts 2, just as one example. There's a whole bunch of examples, but this was just a primary one I was going to hit. In Acts 2, verses 46 through 47, and Brian, I didn't, you don't have to put it up, it was just a reference point. Basically, it shows that after, after, the, after Pentecost, and they got the Holy Spirit. They all met in one accord in the temple. They got together house to house. They even sold stuff to keep everybody together. And, and that's just one example. So let's get into some of the points or the reasons why fellowship, why we should fellowship together. And one of them, and the benefits that go with it. And one of it is the fact that the first reason for fellowship is that God commands it. I didn't know how else to say it, really. It just, my notes say that God commands us to, fellow, to assemble together to worship at appointed times. But he commands us to. He sets times for us to get together. You know, again, I understand if, if something came up or health or something like that gets in the way, that's fine. But... Overall, he wants us to get together. For example, in Leviticus 23, verse 3, technical difficulties have been corrected. Here we go. And in verse 3, concerning the weekly Sabbath, when he talks to Israel at this time, he says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, Sabbath of the solemn rest a holy convocation. You shall do no work in it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So God expected, and holy convocation, I looked it up, and you do not want me to try to pronounce the Hebrew word. I was actually going to attempt it, and it's, uh, I just decided that wasn't going to work. But it's M-I-R-Q-R-A. But it, it means, when it says holy convocation, it is the getting together, or the assembly. Pretty much just assembling of, of a group. So God with Israel, and it's gone on to time memorial, that we are to meet at least once a week on the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, to assemble. And we also, he also provides us other days, like, like I was mentioning, the Feast of Tabernacles, an eight-day feast. Well, seven days, and then we have the last great day. But either way, that we get together wherever we are, uh, you know, wherever we're moved to go, like in my case was Branson. His was, and Mr. Gregory's was Canada, you know, and some of them went to San Antonio. Wherever you go, God has appointed that as an opportunity for eight days for fellowship and getting together. 
The second reason for fellowship, besides God saying so and giving us appointed times, is that it is to create a relationship of love toward one another like a family. We're to build a family. That's what he's doing. We, it's, he's building a family, and we get together so we can actually build a loving relationship like a family, like Ron did in his... Uh, like, in, like Ron did in his prayer at the end before we did this. He said that we get together as a family. You know, that's what we're doing when we get together for church on the Sabbath or for Passover, the days on bread, or whatever we get together, or other times. Or even that's maybe sometimes when the men have special things going on or something. For it says in John 13, 34, as my reference on this one, and a new commandment in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I, have, I, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we're to develop this. And I was thinking of this when I was thinking on this one. I was thinking of a sermon by Ron Dart. Ron Dart was mentioning something similar to this in one of his sermons. That one reason we get together so that it, it's hard to love someone from a distance Really? I mean, when you hear a name like Mrs. McGillicuddy has back problems, of course you have sympathy and you really do care and all that and you want to do your best. But if you know Mrs. McGillicuddy, let's say, for example, we have a prayer request from, uh, that I gave Steve today. I'll use that as an example. We had a certain individual who helped Brian with the sound booth at Branson. He's having a lot of health issues. When many of us will pray tonight about it when it's announced, we can be more fervent because we know who this guy is. We know who this individual is, and now when we go to God, we go, look, he has two, I think he has two or three kids, and he's married, and he's having a hard time, and we can relate this even better, because we're aware of who he is. Because like it, like it says in Romans 8, 14 through 17, you know, for as many are, and again, just as reference scripture, those who are led by the Spirit, they, these are the sons of God. And it also says we are the children of God. So, you know, we're to love God's people, and we're to be, and since we're a part of him, he's building a family. We're to build relations in a positive fashion. John also does, I mean, does give us a warning, though. I just thought this would be one to throw in. John says in John, 1 John 4, verse 20, find it on here. I've actually heard this statement from someone once, and this is what struck me when I said this. I knew someone who actually said he couldn't stand certain church members, period. And he just couldn't stand them, he couldn't be around them. And this scripture hit when I, when I found it. Let me get to it just real quick. Here we go. Wrong one. Still getting... The young people will be a lot faster on these iPads, I can tell you that now. I can pick on my age. I just turned whatever at... I almost slipped. I almost slipped, but did not. 39, we'll do the Jack Benny thing. I like that. But 1 John 4.20, John is, says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? 
And that, that just struck me that the guy could say that, and he says, you know, I love God, but then he doesn't love his brother. John doesn't agree. That, is, that's, that formula doesn't work. You've got to love your brother as well as then you can love God, or, you know, it works together. Okay, the third reason for fellowship is for edification, strengthening one another, or in other words, as I would say in my own words, to encourage one another, to help out one another. In life, and I am a victim of this recently, in life we go through many trials. Sometimes it's personal. I knew someone who had to fight alcohol a long time ago. He's in the United Church of God, and he was telling me about how the church helped him out to overcome. But that's a personal problem, or other personals. Sometimes you have family issues. Sometimes you have job issues that come up that you have to start dealing with. And, you know, things come up in life that, and sometimes you just don't feel good that day. I had one person post on Facebook that she just felt, felt down, period. There was no reason for it. And it does happen. And we're here to help each other out when things don't quite go right, you know. You know, in a loving manner, help each other out. It doesn't mean money, necessarily. I mean, it, like, it doesn't have to be money. It could be a kind word. It could be good advice. Maybe a direction. If somebody's looking for a job and you say, hey, I got, some, I got somebody over here who's hiring. I think you'd fit this job. I'll give a good word. Use me as a reference. And there you go. Like, like the old proverb says, if you give a man a fish, you only feed him for a day. You teach him how to fish, he, he, he can eat, rest, eat for as long as he wants. Didn't get it right, but close enough. <laughs> that one I don't hear much, but I understood what it meant. Basically, if you, <laughs> I know what it means. But that's, because at first I thought money when I saw this. And I thought, no, 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 wait a minute. You know, like uh, Mr. Noble was feeling bad once when he, because like I told you, he's going to be famous one day. You're all going to wonder who he is when he gets resurrected. He had a neck where his neck goes like this. It was due to a stroke and a speech impediment. And I remember he one time had a little bit of an issue with that and thought everybody was judging him for it. And Tom and others said, nah, we don't even notice it. They made a point that you're just an awesome guy. Don't worry about it. So it was nice to know that they came up to their, his defense. I said the same thing, too, because I was a 19-year-old young man. I thought he was awesome anyway. Because he never griped and complained about life after his stroke. except for, But he had his down moments because it, it does knock you down. And the church encouraged him. The people around him encouraged him. We know that Paul... I'm going to cite two verses on this one. In Paul in 1 Timothy, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5:11. He's encouraging the Thessalonians to do something. In 1 Thessalonians 5:11. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another. Just as you, as you also are doing. So they're doing it, but he encourages them to continue. Then in Hebrews, three, thirteen. In this, he says, "But exalt one another daily, while it is, it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin." So he. Paul encourages us to continually to encourage each other. And as I footnote here, and that could be when somebody's having a child, too. Let's say somebody's having a child, you know, and that's a stressful moment. 
you know, the ladies like our church get together and they'll have a baby shower. As my joke goes, why would you shower the baby before it's born? But hey, you know. And, but uh, they'd have to do baby shower. People would hand them money, help them out. Because, you know, that's a stressful time in life. It's a stressful time for a young couple. The fourth reason I thought I, that came up was the fact that we sharpen one another. Like iron sharpens iron. Just like Proverbs 27.17. That it, as it says in Proverbs 27.17. Read up there. As iron sharpens iron, so... So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It is nice to actually be able to sit like at church or whatever, at a, like at a potluck or just to sit down like I do with Ron or whoever and be able to talk to him and, and learn things. You know, and, and like for example, if Bible questions come up. We can sharpen each other in various ways, whether it's in, in our Christian walk, whether we're not sure how to make a decision during a trial and so, you know, we're, we're befuddled a little bit and somebody with a little clearer mind might go, you know, Dole, why don't, we do, why don't you do this? Because this would be the Christian way to handle this situation, like Dale did yesterday. <laughs> I talked to Dale about something specifically and he was a very good listener and he was a very good... But, and also, if we have questions about the Bible... And I'm not talking about just our ministers like Mr. Gregory or Barnabas or Steve. You never know. You might be able to get with Fred Gill. He's been in church for a long time. Or any of the others and say, you know, this scripture kind of bugs me a little bit. What does it mean? And you can ask someone and they'll help you out with that as well. Just a little, you know, give it in a little insight. So we can help sharpen each other. For when we do fellowship, it does help us to focus because when we sharpen each other, we do focus on Christ, his desire for us, and our goals. And it helps us out when we get together, like every week on the Sabbath or on the Holy Days. And one thing, and just as an example, and this was a good one, is that when I was a long time ago when I was 19, that's not 1863, I, when I was new in the church, see, I had got, the, I had got, I had received the actual good news, uh, not, well, the good news, that's true, but the correspondence course, and I never got to the holy days. So when I finally hit college and decided to keep all these laws, you know, don't eat pork, don't keep the Sabbath, so forth, I got there in the spring, and suddenly Tom hits me with this Pentecost. Okay, I kind of figured that one because it's an Acts 2, okay, big deal. As we got toward, as we headed toward and headed towards some, summer and into fall, he started saying, we're not going to have church for a week. Yeah, I'm giving you a look. I probably gave him. Like, what? And he, over the year, he helped me grow in my Christian walk to teach me what the Feast of Tabernacles was. His logic was, since I've only known this for six months, don't go this year. He gave me a lot of material from CGI or, and other groups and also some scriptures to read. And then he said, I'm going to help you with the help of Merle Hawk and a few others. We're going to help you understand these holy days, but you get to at least show up for the Feast of Trumpets and Day of Atonement. That was a real fun for a 19-year-old guy, but who ate a lot of food at the time. So, but, but they helped me with my Christian walk, and as time went, others have done the same. And I'm sure you all can actually mention the same thing. When you first entered the church and somebody said, don't eat pork, what are you talking about? And then they sat with you and said Leviticus 11 and, you know, sat with you and, and helped you out. 
That's what I mean by iron sharpens iron. And, you know, we come together with questions about life or the Bible and so forth. As far as our trials, it is good that we get together with our, and talk sometimes on some things with people we trust in the church. In Proverbs 11, 14... Take just a moment here. I'm starting to actually use this iPad to actually do my reading, so it'll go faster as time goes. I guess I'm getting off the paper, getting out of the paper and going into this. But I still print up my notes, so I still kill some trees to do that. The old-fashioned is still sticks in. But in Proverbs 11:14. It's, to continue, it says, Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multiple of counsels, they sh there is safety. And there's where fellowship comes in. That's what I was saying with the trials and troubles. When something comes up, find someone in the church, if it's private or whatever, and just say, hey, you know, can I talk with you? And you, know, and you can t ask them and ask what's going on. Because we've got a lot, a lot of wise people in the church, and they can help you with it. And say, oh, yeah, I've been through that. Didn't you know that? No, and they can help you out. The secondary scripture on that one was Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 22. I'll just read it here. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multiple, multiple of counsel, they are established. So just in this point, basically, we are here to help each other. We can share our experiences. God has created a family that can help us. You can go to someone, let's say somebody's having problems with family, didn't feel comfortable to say it in front of the church, maybe has a few friends in church who can, they can go to to get help, you know, and say, hey, you know, my marriage is having this problem. And that can help them put them back in track. Or if it's something like a, a job loss or who knows what in the world's going on, you, and you feel comfortable, you can have the church pray. So, you know, and they help you out. There. Because... And this made me think of the fact of the Lord of the Rings. And this will just be real quick on this point, because basically, I was thinking Lord of the Rings, this is arbitrary, how they were supposed to get rid of this ring. And they made a fellowship. And in one scene, you see one of the hobbits getting injured or something, and he wants to give up. The other hobbit was willing to carry the other one all the way to the place where they're going to drop this ring into the volcano, and it gets destroyed. And I thought that was pretty touching. And that's really the way we are, because in this, in this, but in this fish, this, this story, there was a goal. There was things they needed to get done, and they would help each other make it, is what my point was. And we have the same thing in our Christian life. We want to be in the kingdom of God. We want to be a child of God. And sometimes we need each other to help in times of crisis or joy to make it on through. So to summarize, to summarize this, we are, to, we are to fellowship with one another for, or to, for because we are first, God tells us to. If we can, again, barring health, barring circumstances, barring whatever, but we are to the best of our ability to go to his appointed times, whether it's the Sabbath, whether it's Passover, days on bread, and I'm not going to mention them all, but there's like seven annual holy days. We are to 
create a relationship like a friendship of a love toward one another because God is creating a family. We are to encourage one another during life's little trials, whatever they may be, whether personal, as I would say, external, something outside, car accident, you know, or lost jobs, or who knows what. We are to sharpen one another in the knowledge of, our, of God's word and help us each other in our Christian walk. So to conclude, basically, I'm going to use the paper Bible this round. I want to go ahead and read the entire context of Hebrews 10, 25 with its companion scripture of verse 24. For it says in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, let us consider one another in order to, in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly, assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but to exalt one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I wish you all a great uh, rest of the Sabbath and a great Thanksgiving.